morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Good morning. Hope you had a good July 4th weekend. Oh, yeah. If you live in the Simi Valley, your hearts are with you. They had, they had their fireworks didn't go off as, as planned. It fell over and hit a bunch of people. But in Moore Park, might I say, we had a glorious time on July 3rd. Uh, Moore Park does it a day early. I don't know why we do that. No one's ever told me why, but we do it anyway. So we had a fun time. So if you're joining us, uh, we're doing a series called The Source. The Source of Life. And, uh, you know, I thought about this, and we're talking about different things of Jesus when he said, I am the bird of life, as Aram said, I am the light of the world. But also, the different names of God. The different things that God has called in the Bible. But people are longing to find a source that would make them feel either physically better or spiritually better. In our picture we have in our, in our website, we have a picture of the water. Big old waterfall. But I'll have you know that I looked up the most 10 most expensive bottles of water. This one here is called Fien or Fine or Fine. I don't know what it's called. Fiji Islands. This runs you about $5, uh, uh, no, yeah, $5 a bottle. Pretty, pretty uh, exciting there. If you want to have a bottle of water, it's made in the Fiji Islands and the way the winds cross over the islands. The water is more pure there. And they have an aquifer that's deep inside. And, you know, our brother James has been out, probably been out to the Japanese islands. It's, it's, by the way, James, it's your, it's your last service today. And we wish you the best. He's headed out to New, uh, New Mexico. Not the old Mexico, but the New Mexico. So we're glad uh, you're going to be excited there with, uh, with Josh and everybody else. So the next one. Uh, the source is called uh, the Tasmanian Rainwater. Oh, yeah. Now, this one is found in Tasmania, but it's actually, uh, you know, made in Australia. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but who knew? Who knew? And so, uh, Australia, and, you know, this is, a, you know, expensive rainwater. It runs you about, you know, $5 a bottle. It's from the sky to the bottle. No one touches it. From the sky to the bottle, five bucks. Most of us grew up on what we call the cheapest bottle. It's called tap water. That was free. Okay, the next one, number eight, is called La Queen Artes Mineral Water. It'll run you about six bucks a bottle for only a 750 milligram bottle of water. It'll run you six bucks. And this is in the Andes Mountains, and they have an aquifer that runs deep into the earth, and the water source is so clear, so pure, it'll change your life. Six dollars. Six dollars. Here's one about, about six bucks. This is from this is Aquadeco. This is called 10,000 BC. It's untouched, unpolluted by humans. It's from Canada. <laughs> but they make it sound so exotic. It'll run you about six bucks. Uh, actually, actually, that's a that's a twelve dollar bottle. Twelve dollar oh, bottle. Hey. Twelve. This one's called uh, ten thousand BC. Old ancient. Again, another great bottle from from Canada. You know the ancient uh, the, the way they market these things is, is is really funny and interesting. But I also found one. Called Veen. And Veen is about $23 a bottle. And, and, and Veen is from Finland, Scandinavia. Uh, it, it, it says that it'll reinvigorate you faster than normal water. 
buying it. There is no need for Gatorade because you're going to have the source. And then for all the for all those, this is another one called Felico. It's a very strange, strange name. Uh, it's going to run you about two hundred nineteen dollars a bottle. Just, just buy another one. It's called it's called Bling H two O. I don't have a picture of that, but that one will run you forty dollars a bottle. But one of the most expensive bottles of water in all the world is this one. It's from Japan. And it'll help you lose weight. It'll reduce your stress. It's made from desalinated seawater. It's off the Hawaiian Islands. And that will run you $402 a bottle. But the most expensive bottle of water on earth is called the Aqua de Cristallo Tributo of Magliani. It'll run you $60,000 dollars a bottle. Now, the bottle is made of gold, of course. Uh, but if you don't, if you want the no, the non-gold version, it'll cost you $3,600 a bottle. People are willing to buy anything that's the purest, that's the most cleanest. They'll purchase it. 60 grand. Now, I can't afford that in my budget. We got tap water in my house. We got we got the filter on the fridge, Come on, and it's, it works and it's free. You know there is a meat, there's a there's a meat meaningful part of this uh, analogy. Of just we are trying to find the source of life and what that means for your spiritual well being, for your emotional well being. Whether you're a new a new Christian or whether you've been around for a long time or whether you're visiting this morning and you haven't been in church in a while. Hey, there is a desire in your heart to want the source. Of life, and we're going to start from the beginning. Look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter one. Come on, bro. Genesis chapter one, in verse one, it reads: "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful, God, that you are the source. And as we look into your word, as we try to seek and understand and relate to you through your words, God, help us come to a more meaningful conclusion in our journey that just just has taken us on a walk through our spiritual life, our emotional life. God, that we would seek you, we would find you, that you would be there for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So the the book and then the Bible, Genesis 1, starts off, boom. In the beginning, there was God. Bang. Up front, up front and personal, here is God. And all the ways the Bible could have had an introduction to introduce you to God. Could have been a long, once, once upon a time, there was a God named. Could have started in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I mean, think of all the, the ways the Bible could have been presented to us. But in the beginning... It was God. And, and, and God is trying to relate to humans as we're trying to relate to Him. And in the Bible, no matter where you're at, your starting point, spiritually, whether you've been a Christian a long time or, or you're starting off or you're here, God is trying to relate to you. God is trying to connect to you. That He's the source. It's about a relationship. Now I, 
when I was a Geo Garces and Karen Chavez was in the church, I I, I wanted a, a, a deeper, more meaningful relationship. I knew a Karen. I knew of Karen Chavez. Wow, she's pretty. She's spiritual. She's a leader. She's amazing. Hello, I'm Geo. And she and she was trying to relate to me by. Oh, I don't even recognize you. Who are you? So she was just. But I'm relating to her. And over time, we got related to each other, and I got to know her more. And the more I got to know, I knew her as a, as a college student. I knew her as a single. I knew her as a, as a church intern. As our relationship grew, um, our relationship was different. I looked at her different. Now I don't call. Her, I hardly ever call her. Can I call her, honey, sweetie, my love, <laughs> baby? Right. As I get to know her, our relation, the names change a little bit. Now my kids know me, but they know me through a different lens. They know me as dad, daddy, dada, pop. In any relationship we have, we're looking at it through different lenses. As, I, as my son gets older, he's relating to me differently. As a little kid, he relates to me differently. Now he's eight, my Juliana's ten, she's going to, to be a camper for the very first time. It's gonna be, I'm the director of the camp, it's going to be a little different dynamic. She's going to be a camper and I'm running the, the camp. It's going to be different for me. But she relates to me in a different way. As she gets older, you, you relate differently. So from the beginning, Gio liked Karen. A lot. Right? <laughs> and then our relationship grew from there. You know, it was great to see her grow. And in the Bible, and in ancient times, people were aware of a supernatural being. And the generic word in the Bible that they use, and also they use in, in the common language, was the word in Hebrew called El. And El meant that it was a higher power. They didn't know what it was, but it was a higher power. It was a generic use. And they took that L, and they grabbed it, and they enhanced it as their expression and their understanding of God grew. You know, one of the things I really enjoy and like about different organizations that we have in America that really help people understand God. And one of them I really enjoy and like and have been a part of sponsoring a few people is Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things they have in their, in their decrees of, of, of getting a person to, to leave an addiction, to come to an understanding of God, is they come to believe that a power greater than themselves could restore them. That's the first step. They understand that there's a higher power that can restore them from their addiction. And then number two, they make a decision to turn their will and their lives over to the care of God as they understand Him. Because we all understand God a little differently, don't we? That's why we get to help each other. Like Steve will say, hey, have you, do you, have you, I read this today about God. And oh, I didn't know you did. Wow, that's amazing that you learned that about. We can get help from other people. So a starting point for people in need is to acknowledge that there's someone greater than you on earth. And, they, and, they're, and they're called to make a decision to turn their will and their lives over to a, to a care of a God as they understood Him. Now that's important. You know, you might be thinking, well, I, I'm not addicted to alcohol. Well, from, from my understanding of life, everyone will experience a certain edge of darkness. Whether it's emotional 
whether it's social, whether it's relationships, whether it's financial, there will be a time when you're on the brink of the edge. It will take you there. And so in some cultures, they had this higher power called El. It was this higher form. El. And the, and the Hebrews changed it. They started to relate to God and call Him Elohim, which is a plural form of the word higher power, El. They started to relate to God and God started to relate to them differently. And in the book of Genesis, predominantly uses this word to describe how we relate to God, how they in the Bible related to God. Now, look in verse 26 of, of Genesis chapter 1. I want to I uh, get down to a deeper understanding of this word Elohim. It's the most common word used in the Old Testament when you read the Bible. In verse 26, it says, Then God, and in the Hebrew it says, Elohim, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. They took this El, and they changed it. They changed it to match Elohim. And certain people in the, in the, in the ancient world, they understood this L, but they, they couldn't explain how childbirth happened. They couldn't explain how the rain came and gave them crops. They couldn't explain the power of the sun. They couldn't explain the thunder and the harvest and the cycles of life. So he started to name different things for different sources of life. For example, in the ancient world, they couldn't explain the childbirth cycle, fertility. So they created Asherah. This is so supernatural. How do you explain a man and a woman coming together and boom, a birth of a baby? How do you explain that? Well, they created a god called Asherah. This was a fertility god. That if you wanted to have other children, you would honor her and, and praise her and worship her and give her tributes so that she would bless your childbearing years. Because in the ancient days, to have children was a blessing. To have many of them was a blessing. Not to have them was looked down upon like something's wrong with you. So they created a God. You know, for Baal, he was the local God of the weather. Because so much depended on the weather for their crops. If, it was a, if there was a, uh, a famine and it didn't rain, they would die off. They'd have to move. So they built temples to Baal and they would worship Baal and say, Give us great weather. Give us rain. Take care of us. Because they, they understood there was a higher power, but didn't know how to relate to it. So they created certain things. And here's Baal. He's a little figurine guy. I don't know how they came up with that figure, but that's him. Okay? There's another one called Dagon. He was the fish god. He was the god of the sea. So when we take our boats out to sea, we want Dagon to bless us, to allow us to capture the fish so we can eat for sustenance. That's the 21st century picture of Dagon, but... And back in their time, that's their picture of them. <laughs> they, didn't have, they didn't have graphic design like we do now, but that's their guy. It looks kind of simple. They look kind of benign, but that's the God, the fish God. That's the God the, the Philistines worshipped. That's the God where that's the statue that God knocked down when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into into the into the Dagon's temple, and and then he was face down. He fell down. And, what happened to our God? Because the Ark was there, and he had to bow down to the Ark. It's kind of funny. God's being humorous there. And there's there's Hadad, another God. 
Uh, and a lot of kings of the ancient world took, his, took this name King Hadad. They would take this name of his God for power and strength. Because that's what this higher power was. It was powerful. It was strong. When Aaron made the calf, it's a bad translation. It's not a calf he made when Moses went up to the mountain. He made a bull, a steer, a strong animal. It wasn't this little <laughs> calf. It, it was, he was like, he's up there with God, Elohim. Here, he, he looks like, kind of like this. He's super strong. He's powerful. But God's like, I'm not contained into an image. I can't be held into this image of this little, this little stone or gold. That's why God was so upset. So here, here was Aaron trying to relate to God, and he made, a, he made a bull to try to explain to the people, this is God. Then there's Marduk. Another guy, again, I don't know who the graphic artist was, but they're pretty good. You know, obviously they take a lot of time and effort to make uh, different types of gods. Uh, Marduk was one of them. He was a Babylonian god. And then there was Molech, uh, another god. He was uh, a god that, the, uh, in the Bible, uh, that their people brought their children to him, and they, 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 they burned their children at the altar of, of Molech. There was the queen of heaven in Jeremiah's time. They would bake her bread cakes of life to the sky god. She was a goddess. Of, we can't explain the sky. So we're going to call her the queen of heaven and we bake her little cakes to get her blessings. And then there was Tammuz, another Phoenician god of fertility. These people were just trying to relate to this higher power. We don't understand this great power. Then along comes Abraham. Along comes Isaac. And along comes Jacob and says, Wait a minute, guys. You got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. Uh, there is one supreme creator, God, who's made all of this. And His name is Elohim. That's who He is. That's who God is. That's who made the weather. He makes the fertility. He's in charge of it all. And that was so fascinating because they were a poly, polytheistic society. Many gods. But here, here, here came Abraham. No, there's one. Amen. There's one God. And the ancients trying to wrap their head around this. The Elohim is the very source of life. So powerful. So powerful. He can create something out of nothing. The great and powerful creator called Elohim. Now later on, as they related, the people, the, uh, God's people would, change, would know Him better. Instead of Elohim, they would call Him Yahweh. Even later on, later on, different parts of the Bible, they would call Him Adonai. Like the, the equivalent to Senor, Lord. Different ways of relating to God. And how this relates to us, this powerful Creator, this, this God called Elohim. In the New Testament, we call Him Father, right? It changes. From the old to the new, we are trying to relate to this powerful, supreme God. At first it was Elohim, then Yahweh, then I. And Jesus says, when you pray, you call God your Father. People are like, whoa! What? How can you say that? Because He's saying, hey, God's trying to relate to you in a different way now. Mm-hmm. In a different way. He's your Father. He's Abba. It's affectionate. All through the the times of the Bible, God has been trying to relate to us. And we're trying to relate to Him, aren't we not? You know, in the first century, there was this missionary 
who goes into this Greek culture. Now the Greeks were just like the ancient of, of, of days before them. They worshipped many gods. They worshipped a lot of gods. Polytheism. Temples everywhere. People coming and going and offering food to, the, to these idols. And they worshipped these powers as they related to them. And in the Greek culture, they had many Many, many forms of gods and statues and animals and creatures. A comedian in the Roman Empire once said, It is easier to find a god in, uh, in Athens than a man. There's more gods than you can think of. And they extended their worship even to, Hey, in case we miss the god, we're going to make an altar in case we missed him. So we can acknowledge every source of power that we understand. And along comes this missionary. Just like the ancients, just like Abraham. Just like Isaac. Just like Jacob. Here comes, and look in your Bibles in Acts chapter 17. Just as they revealed to the ancient world this God, this Elohim. Now Paul goes into the, one, a very similar culture and tries to get the people to understand God in a different way. As God relates to us and we relate to God. Acts 17, verse, verse 24. Paul is the missionary. And he goes to the Areopagus with a lot of smart people who thought, about, uh, thought many ways how to worship a lot of many, 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 many gods. And he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything because He Himself gives all men breath and life and everything else. Let's stop there for a second. What they knew about God was that God must live in this temple. God, and we have to bring Him food constantly. And what happened was the food would disappear. Because someone on the back was taking the food and eating it, of course, right? That's all. And so, this God is eating. And some religions today have the same thing. They would bring food into this God, but someone eventually has to eat it other than the statue. We know that. Stone doesn't eat food. But someone's eating it. So, it was kind of, oh, the food's going and disappearing. Yeah, because the priests were taking it and eating it, right? So, he's trying to tell them, God doesn't live in a statue. God doesn't live in a temple. He's greater. The, the, the higher power that you know, God is taking the roof off of it. And in verse 26, he says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God set up the eras of time. He set up empires. And Daniel, we know that he's in charge of, 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 of empires and kings. And God had set it up. So that we can one day relate to Him from Elohim to Abba. Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai, Father, Abba. He set the time and place. Yeah, He may have said some generally specific, you may have moved here and, and, and He did this for a reason. But He sent up the errors of time so that we, for this in verse 27. So, that, so God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him though He's not far from each of us. God has been trying over time to relate to you. As you've been trying over time to relate to Him. What does God mean to you? What is Elohim? What is Abba? What is Father? And you're trying to relate. You're trying to connect. That's why it's so important for you to read the very words of God. 
so you can understand Him better. And it's good that you have friends that will help you understand Him better. If you're married, you have a spouse that helps you understand, understand God a lot better. <laughs> right? They had many forms of higher powers. And Paul explains, there's one God, one Creator, one source for everything. God did this. So perhaps you would reach out and find Him. He is not far. And maybe you're in a situation right now where you think God is far away. God has not wanted any contact with me. I've had a horrible week. I've done things that would make Christians blush. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've come to church and you haven't been in church since you were a kid. And you're like, where do I start? He's not far away. God, this, this creator, wants a relationship with you. And we've got to tap into that source. Our culture wants you to embrace churchianity. Churchianity is where you come to church and you leave and you don't, you don't know anybody. You're lucky if someone gets in your, you're lucky if someone gets involved in your life. That's churchianity. Christianity is where he brings all these people that want to relate to God together. So God relates to us and we relate to God and we also we relate to each other. We're there for each other. Amen. We help each other know and relate to God. A meaningful relationship. Churchianity does not provide that. It doesn't provide the meat of the relationships. What makes one of the things distinct about our relationship here in this church is that we actually know each other. We're involved with each other. We're going to play sports and try to kill each other in a few minutes. <laughs> we love to be together. We love to be close to each other. We love it. Because of what we know about Elohim, God wants us to be close to each other. Amen. That's what God wants us. He says, he, he built the church so you would have a place to have an understanding of Him and how He relates to you and how you relate to others. Amen. One of the things that Jesus did in the New Testament was He gave a brand new command. And that new command was this. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. All men will know that this is Christianity. What we've experienced growing up is churchianity. I know I was a part of that. And what we have to do is help people go from churchianity to Christianity. It's a jump. It's almost an awkward jump. When you come to our church, if you're visiting, you probably feel uncomfortably awkward being hugged, being mobbed, and being encouraged. With a sincere heart, we want to know you. We're so happy you're here. We're like crazed. Someone's here. It's awesome. That's what Christianity is about. Or would you rather us give you us give you the hand? We've we've seen that enough in churches, right? In churchianity. There is a higher power. There is a higher source. And He's trying to relate to you. We know Him as God. We know Him as Abba. Father. How can you get close to God? Number one, read your Bibles. Number two, pray. Just pray every day. I don't care if you just pray for a sentence. Just say something to the source. If you read His words, you relate. If you pray, you relate. Number three, spend some time together with people in this room. And Elohim, 
Yahweh, Adonai, Father, Abba, will know you. Thank you for your time.